You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. that through the precious blood of your son we will echo that chorus from now and through eternity Father thank you thank you for the privilege it is to come here now to open your timeless word which even when heaven and earth pass away will remain and will stand firm Father, you say in Proverbs 1.23, you say, if you turn, church, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. Lord, would you please do that today? Lord, I pray we would ditch our defensiveness, our pride, our excuses as to why we're not following you the way you call us to, why we can't give that certain area up, that's finished now. And I pray you would see a church that longs to turn eagerly towards you, away from sin, away from those things which quench the spirit and towards you, almighty God. And Lord, you will pour out your spirit. Would you do that today? We are a people, Lord, in a desperate need for a touch of glory. And make your words known to us. Change us. Sanctify us. Lord, I pray we would run to you knowing that you long, you long to show yourself to us and to make us known. And and, and Lord, change us to be more like you, I pray. In this place, let not one person leave here and not be able to say, truly, I've just met with Jesus Christ, and I can't help but speak of what I've seen and what I've heard. Lord, would you be with my mouth now to speak only your words, to be carried only by your Spirit. And Lord, this day we do not celebrate one man. We do not exalt any man. We exalt the living God. be all praise, honor, glory, majesty. In Jesus' name, if you agree with this church, say amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, promised myself that I was not going to cry when I looked out over my church family. I just bailed on that promise. (laughs) Uh, Church, it is 
let's call it what it is, family, it is a blessing to be here with you today. You are loved so much by my family and I. And uh, before we jump into God's word, uh, I don't want to take away from the reverence for God's word, but um, I just want to give you a little bit of an update as to how things are going uh, for our family and in Chicago and uh, for Harvest Ottawa. And God is building his church in Ottawa. We have much reason, amen. We have much reason to continue to press in with great expectancy, and it is phenomenal to see the hand of the Lord as it knows no bounds, as our family is in an entirely different country, and yet week by week there are more people emailing me saying, I have to be a part of what God is doing here. God is building his church, and we need your prayers. This is not a reprieve as we see God moving. It should drive us to a greater posture of humility, a greater posture of dependency. And so we thank you so much for those of you who have joined with us in prayer. There are core group meetings happening. There are prayer meetings happening. There's a huge vision night coming up this month in November. Please be in prayer for that. And be expectant. And for my family and I, just an update for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your prayers as Isaac and Samuel um, are now doing so much better in their transition to school, our twin five-year-olds, for the first time. Um, Thank you for that. They're learning to read and write, and we're very excited for that, so excited and humbling. And Micah, uh, who's in the front row here, just learning what it means, little man, just learning what it means to be a big brother at home and to be a man of the Lord with some precious times. And Caleb, our one-year-old, took his first couple steps this past week. And so time is just flying by um, in that, and we just uh, are so humbled. And, and my wife, um, I can honestly say, church, um, this season has been one of crushing on many levels. The Lord driving us to deeper dependency and faith in him on many levels. And uh, our marriage, by God's grace, is the strongest it's ever been. And um, yeah, it's a testament to the work of the Lord. And um, I'm so thankful I have my wife as my ministry partner. You are radiant, and I love you, and I'm so thankful for the work of the Lord. So please keep praying for us um, and for the fellowship They need your prayers. We need your prayers. And uh, we look forward to the next update as well. Amen. All right, enough about me. We're going to turn to the real reason why we're here. The ushers are coming forward now to hand out a copy of God's word. If you do not have a copy of God's word in front of you, please put up your hand. And the ushers would love to put a copy in front of you. And if you do not have a Bible at home, that is yours to keep. We want to bless you. Uh, with that so you can continue to dig into God's word uh, on your own study at home as well. And the title of this message today is Not My Will. Not My Will. Everyone say that with me. Not My Will. And it's taken from Luke chapter 22 verses 39 to 46. Luke 22 verses 39 to 46. And whether we realize it or not, church... We are on the front lines of a battle that is raging around us every moment of every day. We are on the front lines. 
and how we choose to engage it not only impacts ourselves, our loved ones, and the very generation that we represent. That should sober us. The very generation that we represent, but also has consequences that echo into how future generations are shaped as well. And it is known as a battle of the wills. The battle of the wills. The battle of the wills has been defined as a conflict, argument, or struggle where both sides, both sides are determined to win at war with one another. Both sides determined to win. And in fact, I'm thinking that some of us sitting in this room this morning may have engaged in a battle of the wills this morning with your children as you were getting out the door. Or perhaps maybe it was a battle with your spouse. As so often, doesn't it seem to happen Sunday mornings? That next argument tends to hit. And um, yeah, the enemy uh, knows no bounds in that regard. And if this battle that we are faced with every day is surrounding us, it shouldn't surprise us to know that even Jesus himself and his disciples faced a battle of the wills right here in this text. Right here in this text. Let's pick it up. In verse 39, Luke 22, verse 39, Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. And he, being Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. That's beautiful. Appeared to an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Verse 45. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, a little background of what's going on in this text here. It is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And Jesus, along with his disciples, have just finished eating the Passover meal. And Jesus' arrest is imminent. It's coming very shortly. And they have left the upper room and are now on the Mount of Olives where they will be faced with the greatest temptation of compromise that they have ever been confronted with in their lives. And through the responses of Jesus and his disciples, we will see three reasons. Three reasons why it is crucial to engage the battle of wills each day in pursuit of God's will and not our own in the situations we face. The pursuit of God's will and not our own in the situations we face. And the first one is this, when I pursue my own will, I will fail to heed God's warning. When I pursue my own will, I will fail to heed God's warning. Let's look at verse 39 and 40. And he, Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, notice there, In 39, it says, he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, well, what place is he talking about there? Well, specifically, 
This is speaking of the Garden of Gethsemane located. You're going to see a slide behind me of a picture of what the Garden of Gethsemane looks like. And these are all, I used to live about 15 minutes from here when I lived in Israel. And these are uh, about, uh, these are all olive trees. And actually the term Gethsemane means press. Okay, hence the Garden of Gethsemane, olive press, right? Jesus is getting pressed right here pretty good, eh? Very, very fitting, very, very fitting, right? And so it's, it's in the Mount of Olives where Jesus would repeatedly retreat to seek his Father in prayer, right? As was his custom. He would go here continually. And notice what he says in verse 40b, the back half of 40, he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation, what Jesus is doing here is he's giving the disciples a warning that if they would not be in prayer for strength and courage to hold fast in their faith, Satan, Satan was going to attempt to sift them, sift them like wheat and try to lead them to defect and abandon their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus warned them of this in Luke 22 verses 31 to 32. He says, Satan is demanding to have you. He wants to sift you. He wants you to abandon the pursuit of me, your faith, and my will. And here Jesus is warning them to pray that they would not fall into temptation because why? Why? Because of this. Here's why he gives the warning. He saw the pride. He saw the pride that was in their hearts and that had brought them to say just before this at the Last Supper that no matter what happened, they would not fall away and would die for him. We see this in Mark 14, 31. You'll see it on the screen. This is at the Passover meal. And it says, but he, and the he he's talking about there is Peter, Okay, Peter, the guy who likes to, you know, shoot first and aim later, right? Here's Peter said emphatically, can't you just see this? Can't you just see this? He's staring at Jesus across the table, puts his fist on the table, and he says, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Can't you see this? Here's Peter, if, it's, if I have to die with you, I'm all in. I will not deny you. He says, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm all in. I've chosen to follow you. No worries. And look at the back half of the verse. It says, and they, being the rest of the disciples, they all said the same. We're with you. We're with you. Bring on the temptation. Bring on the persecution. You've been talking to us about this. We don't quite understand all of it, but bring it on. We're not going to deny you. We're all in. And Jesus looked into their hearts and saw this pride. Pause. Before we start pointing fingers at the disciples, because many of us in this room know what happened, it's important that we put ourselves into the disciples' shoes here as to why this Jesus is giving them this warning. Why they could say this. You see, if you and I are disciples, here's the reality. We've been walking with Jesus for the past three years. Sweet deal, yeah? Sweet deal, walking with Jesus the last three years. You've seen him do tons of miracles, Right? You've been given supernatural power to cast out demons when he sent you out. That's Luke 10, 17. The disciples are like, even the demons obey us and we have authority over them. You've been given supernatural power. Right? You've seen Jesus provide for literally every need you have. That whole don't take a bag, don't take sandals thing. Don't worry, I got you. And if that wasn't enough, oh yeah, oh yeah, remember this. He said that he's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That's Luke 10, 19. I've given you authority. That temptation's coming. Guess what? You don't just have authority over that temptation. You have authority over the one who's the source of the temptation. I've given you that authority, right? So think about that. If I'm a disciple right now, 
I'm feeling really confident right about now. I feel really confident. I mean, what do I not have to be confident about from an earthly standpoint? And it seems like no matter what I do, God's going to bless it. And in essence, in essence, loved ones, family, what is running through their heads right now is, Jesus, we hear the warning, but we got this. We're just tired right now. We're tired. We got this. Okay, temptation. We get it. We got authority over that. Careful. Instead of being brought to their knees in greater dependency on Christ, Jesus looked. He looked into their hearts and saw that a prideful deception had crept in and had deceived them into thinking that their wills could handle what was coming. And you see, this isn't just a warning for the disciples over 2,000 years ago, but it is also a warning for us today. It's a warning for us today. Let me ask you the question. Loved ones, look up here. Love the fact that you're taking notes. Love it. Just look up here for a moment. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart today? Have you let pride creep in unchecked in the decisions you're making? Some areas where this can apply. How about in your marriage? In how you speak to serve and pursue the Lord's will for your spouse instead of your own will for how you want them to be. Has pride started to creep in? I wish my spouse was this. I wish my spouse would do this. I wish that. Careful. How about in our entertainment choices? I need prayer for this, loved ones. I need prayer for this. Our entertainment choices, what you watch on television, listen to in your home or in your car, and what you're looking at on the internet when no one's watching. a prideful deception started to take over. Another one, how about in your finances? How about in your finances, what you spend the money God's entrusted to you on? I mean, are we even asking him how he wants his money spent? I'm not talking about just what house should I buy or what car should I buy? I'm talking about when you go to the grocery store. How do I be a faithful steward in this? I'm talking about when you're clothes shopping. How do I be a faithful steward with what you've given me right now? Whose will are we pursuing? Have we let our pride say, I got this. I got this. And instead of driving us to greater dependency on the Lord and begging him for greater strength, faith, and capacity to do what he is calling us to do in these areas and the many others that I didn't mention here, has it become all about our will, our agenda, and have our hearts been deceived into thinking I got this. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. See, loved ones, here's the reality that we face today. Look up here. Here's the reality that we face today. Satan still wants to sift you and I. That's all he knows how to do. His mission hasn't changed. He wants to sift you and I, and to get us to fall away in our pursuit of the Lord and his will for our lives. You see, here's, here's the truth. Write this down. 
pride distorts our reality and blinds us to the truth. Pride distorts our reality and blinds us to the truth, just like it was doing to the disciples right here. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have to give them the warning. Would we be able to heed God's warning to us today in any area if he were to try and give it? Paul Tripp sums this up so pointedly, and you'll see this quote on the screen. He says this, there is a short step between forgetting our assigned position and inserting ourselves into God's position. There is a short step between forgetting our assigned position and inserting ourselves into God's position. And that's where pride will always take us into God's position. Would we be able to heed God's warning to us today if he were to give it? When I pursue my own will, I will fail to heed God's warning. And when we fail to heed God's warning to us, it leads us to forfeiting, point number two, forfeiting God's strength in us. When I pursue my own will, I will forfeit God's strength. Look at verses 41 to 44. It says this, And he withdrew, he being Jesus, he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, can you just hear his voice? If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him, verse 44, and being in agony, He prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. As I was sitting on the couch with Natalie last night going over, praying through this message, praying for all of you, I I just, I couldn't help but turn. I said, you know, this is the darkest moment of Jesus' life up to this point. How do I even begin to describe what he's feeling? How do you even go there? And he says in verse 42, he says, If you are willing, remove this cup. Jesus is in an intense state of agony and emotional strength. Can you see it? Can you picture it? An emotional strain, agony. Because here, right here, is where the battle of the wills is taking place in Jesus as the will of his flesh, which is telling him to give in because the pain he's about to suffer will be too great. As Isaiah goes on to say, He was beaten so badly that it was beyond recognition of a human being. And Jesus being fully God, yes, but fully man as well, is feeling the pull, the will of his flesh, and the struggle, the battle that's going on. Can you see it? He's feeling the weight And it is literally the darkest hour of his life on earth up to this point. And what is the cup? What is the cup? He says, if you're willing, remove this cup from me in verse 42. The cup is the cup of God's wrath that was about to be poured out of him on him. A perfectly holy God pouring all of his hatred, all of his disdain for any sin out on his son, pouring out the penalty that you and I deserved because of our sinfulness before a holy God, if it were not for Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful Jesus wins this battle right now. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's worth clapping over. 
amen. I am glad Jesus is pressing in. He's saying, not my will, but yours be done. And look at this. In the midst of this, Jesus displays here, ready, three things that model for us a prayer for God's strength. Underline this verse, 42, in your Bibles. A prayer for God's strength that we need to have in place in our hearts in order to seek God for his will and not forfeit his strength in us by pursuing our own will. First thing we see in verse 42 in Jesus' prayer is this, a recognized authority. A recognized authority. See what he says right off the bat? Father, if you are willing. Father, if you are willing. What's happening right here? Jesus begins to pray with an acknowledgement of who had authority over the situation, the temptation he was facing. That is so critical, loved ones. Isn't it so easy when we're feeling that place of temptation, in that place of crisis, isn't it so easy to, to look at the size of the crisis as somehow having authority over the size of our God? It's so important. We, can, we can't flip this around here. We must see the power of our temptation in light of the power of God who has authority over it. If you are in Jesus Christ, that temptation you're facing right now has no authority in your life. No authority. Write this down. Be encouraged with this. Someone needs to hear this today. The flesh never has the ultimate authority. God always does. That's what Jesus is modeling here. Father, if you are willing, I know it's under your control. You have allowed this. The flesh never has the ultimate authority. God always does. And look what he says next. So we've got a recognized authority. The next one is a real request. A real request. Verse 42. Keep going. Father, if you are willing, here it is, remove this cup from me. See, what Jesus does here, he makes known the desire of his heart to God, even though his primary concern is still to accomplish God's will and not his own. He's making known his heart. This is generally, this, this is literally the cry of my heart to you, Father, to remove this cup. And notice this, he, Jesus displays a posture of humility before the Lord, and there is no pride in his request. And I love how the text says, and falling to his knees. Do you know why that's so highlight? You gotta highlight that because you know why that's so important? Because in the ancient Near East culture at this time, falling to your knees in prayer was not common at all. A posture of humility before the Lord and there's no pride in his request. And God wants us to approach him and ask him for what's really on our hearts. Notice that tender word. Yes, father symbolizes authority. You know what else the term father symbolizes? Intimacy. God wants to know. He wants you to cry out to him. You don't have to posture your pride in front of him. And I wonder, as I was preparing this for this week, I wonder how many of us in this room right now are trying to come before God in prayer with what we think he would want to hear. The right Bible verses, the right terminology. The right... How many of us are approaching God that way in prayer instead of asking him for what's really and authentically on your heart? When's the last time you cried out to God with no posture except anything of humility? I mean... Why do we try to have it all together 
and approach God the way we think we should be rather than how he wants us the way we really are. Why do we fall in the trap? Here's why. It's pride. It's the same pride the disciples were battling. It's the same pride. And I wonder, just on a side point, loved ones, I wonder how much of the anxiety and worry experience that we experience is a result of us just trying to do God's work for him instead of just getting real before him and saying, here's my heart. A recognized authority, a real authentic request. And here's the third thing Jesus shows us in the back half of 42. He says this, a responsive submission. A responsive submission. Look at that. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's beautiful. Jesus' prayer clearly reveals that despite his own personal desire of his flesh, he had completely submitted himself to his Father's will, no matter what it cost to him personally, whatever the cost to whatever the end. Is that your prayer of submission before the Lord today in every area of your life? Is it mine? Whatever the cost to whatever the end, as long as you get the glory. And look what happened as a result. In verse 43 and 44, it says this, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Notice here, notice here, be encouraged loved ones. The strengthening of Christ only came after his declaration of full submission to his father. Once the Lord had his full will submitted to the authority of God's, then the strength came. There was no more battle of the wills happening. God sends the supernatural strength to come alongside his servant. Right there. And as a result of pursuing his father's will and not his own, Jesus was strengthened supernaturally. And you know what happened? Even in the place of greatest agony, the place of greatest darkness, the place of greatest temptation, you know what happened? Because he got supernatural strength. Look at, look at verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He didn't drop out. He was supernaturally strengthened to pray more earnestly even as the anguish grew inside of him and the physical strain began to take its toll on his body. It says he was sweating like drops of blood. Even in that, because of the supernatural strength God provided, he was able to press on and pray more earnestly, not even stay at the same level, more The commentator, Daryl Bach, you'll see it on the screen, summarizes beautifully when he says, God stands beside the one who suffers according to his will. God stands beside the one who suffers according to his will. Write this down. Loved ones, if you are in Jesus Christ here this morning, and have received him as your Lord and Savior, your strength will not fail while God sustains it. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Your strength will not fail while God sustains it. So 
it begs the question, how about you? How about me? What area or areas of your life are you forfeiting God's strength that's available to you because the pursuit of your own will has eclipsed the pursuit of God's? What area or areas? Some things that came to mind. How about that need for control that you have? I gotta just, I gotta control things in my family. I gotta do it at work. I gotta do it with my kids. I gotta do it at church. I gotta do it in my relationship. Just control, control, control. I just gotta have it, have it, have it, have it. Are you forfeiting God's strength? Because he wants control. That's submitting to his will. How about that, that crippling fear of man? That when you have to have that loving conversation, it causes you to recoil when Jesus says, I did not give you a spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. I gave you a spirit of power and love and self-control. That fear you're feeling is not from me. It's a deception. Or how about the worry, anxiety that you, that you constantly are, what am I, kids, what about, what about that worry, anxiety you live in, or the self-pity, oh, why is this all happening to me? Why, why do I have to do this? I'm just gonna stay here. The self-pity, all of those things, or, or even that addiction. Are we forfeiting God's strength in those areas by seeking to pursue our own will there? And even in his darkest hour and place of greatest need, Christ perfectly models here what it means to approach God in the pursuit of his will and not forfeit his strength by pursuing his own will and what his flesh wanted him to do instead. He perfectly models it. And this, be encouraged, loved ones, because this same power that is at work in us as we have been given unlimited access to as followers of Jesus Christ through the gospel, the same power that even though Jesus was pressed as far as he could go, he knew what was coming, he knew what it was gonna cost, the same power that strengthened him to continue to persevere is available to us in the name of Jesus Christ today, amen? Be encouraged. Don't forfeit that strength by pursuing our own will. I just have to pause for a moment and say this. I just want to speak to those of us here today who have never um, confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and made that commitment to surrender their life to him. I want to speak to you for a moment. There's two things happening in your life right now. You say, well, how do you know what's happening in my life? Well, I, I, I didn't say it. God did. Final word. There's two things happening in your life right now. Number one, you are forfeiting the supernatural power that God has made available to you through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our sin. You are forfeiting it. You do not have access to it because the only way to access it is through Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that's happening. The second thing is, instead of surrendering to him and embracing his will, you're still following your own will and have no strength to draw from. You have no strength to draw from. And as a result, the only choice you have, you have one choice, and it's this. The only choice you have is to follow your own will, and that will only take you further away from him. That's the only choice you have apart from Christ. But look up here, look up here. There is hope. 
Amen? There is hope for you today because Jesus wants you right where you're at. You don't have to posture yourself or clean yourself up to come before him and say, I repent of my sin and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus does not want you to come to him as you think you need to be. If I come to church for 10 Sundays, maybe I'll put in a good word with God. Uh-uh. He wants you right where you're at. You say, but yeah, but you know what? I have this. I'm entrenched in this sin right now. Guess what? Jesus Christ went to the cross to cover that. And you say, yeah, but this stronghold is in my life. Yeah, Christ covered that too. And you say, yeah, but this, is, this has been going for so long. I, I don't see my way out. Yep, Christ covered that too. The question is, is, it's not whether Jesus is enough. It's whether you want him enough to do something about it. You'll see on screen here, 1 John 1, 9. Love this verse. Write this reference down. Go back to it. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And for you here today, if you've never confessed Christ as your Savior, your first step in pursuing his will for you is to confess him as your Lord and Savior and surrender to his will. Now I want to speak to those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. My question to you is this, something I have to ask myself every day, is our cry here today the echo of Christ in this prayer right here, the prayer of strength, in saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, whatever the cost, to whatever the end, as long as you get the glory. Whatever the cost, What area, what area, loved ones, is he asking you right now to bring your own will under submission to his? I want you to take a moment right now and write that on your page. What area is God asking you to submit right now to bring under his will and submit to him? Write it down. Take a moment. We don't want to be a church that just comes and hears a message and goes home unchanged. Take that with you and bring it before the Lord this afternoon and let's do some business with God. Amen? And some of you may be here saying, well, the battle is too much. My marriage is too far gone. The, it, the hurt runs too deep. Or, or my addiction, my anger, my worry, my fear, that unforgiveness I'm holding on to, it just paralyzes me and it's gripped me for so long and I just feel enslaved. I can't get out of that. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Be encouraged. The battle may be sharp. The temptation may be fierce. But take courage, loved ones. Take courage, loved ones. For if you are in Christ, then he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Hang on. Hang on. Don't forfeit his strength that you have available to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hang on. You are not alone. When I pursue my own will, I will fail to heed God's warning. 
I will forfeit God's strength. And finally, our last point today is this. When I pursue my own will, I will fail in the outcome. I will fail in the outcome. Look at verses 45 and 46. And when he, being Jesus, rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Notice there in verse 45 where it says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. What does that sleeping for sorrow mean? Well, this indicates the emotional and physical strain and exhaustion, okay, that the disciples were feeling from the intense week that they'd been leading up to this moment. They've traveled from Galilee. They're now in Jerusalem. So they're sleeping for sorrow. They're worn out. The emotional and physical strain. But instead, instead of heeding Jesus' warning to stay awake and pray for strength to endure what they were about to face, they gave in to the will of their flesh and gratified its desire to sleep rather than to pray. And notice as Jesus' response in verse 46. He comes to them. Can you hear in his voice the, the sorrow? And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Why? Rise and pray. Can you picture him? See? Pulling them up. Rise and pray. Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. See, Christ comes to the disciples. This isn't a sharp rebuke like, why are you sleeping? Do you not know what's coming? Have you not listened? No, no, no. It's nothing like that. Tender. Tender. He says, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray. Because he knows, he knows the consequences that are at stake if they are not strengthening themselves through prayer right now. Jesus sees what's coming. The consequences of prayerlessness. The disciples are blind to it. And as such, all of the disciples' reasons for their failure to hold fast in their faith in the coming hours were all of them abandoned and denied their savior are attributed to this crucial point, moment of truth right here. They did not pray for the strength to endure. Now, you have to pause for a moment and some of us may be here saying like, come on Ray, stop being so legalistic. I mean, I mean, think about this. Cut them a break. Cut them a break. It was late at night. It's been an exhausting week for them. I mean, here they are coming from Galilee. They're going to Jerusalem. And oh yeah, all they just munching on pita the whole time. Like, where's the steak? Right? Like, cut them a break. They're exhausted. They're tired. I mean, a little rest, a little rest wasn't going to hurt anyone, right? Like, why get on this? Like, why would Jesus just ride them like that? It's not going to hurt anyone. It's a little rest. Your flesh is tired. Here's what we have to remember, loved ones. Look at me for a moment. The devil is cunning. He's very cunning. He's not going to advertise the consequences of seemingly innocent choices of giving into our flesh as we allow our will 
and desires to dictate how we respond in a situation. Imagine this. Okay, imagine this. The devil comes to them, Peter, James, and John, lying there. He comes to them and says, hey guys, you know what, take a nap, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if you do. All of you are going to abandon your Savior and deny him. How many of you think, hands up if you think they would actually have slept? Right. Right. He's not going to advertise the consequences. Instead, this is the whisper of compromise that comes through his mouth. Hey, it's just a nap, guys. You deserve it. You deserve it. You've been going hard. Have you heard this one before? There will be time for prayer later. You hear that? I hear that. There will be time for prayer later. You don't have to pray right now. Or how about for us today? Here's the whisper. It's just one glance at that TV screen or that billboard or that sign in the shopping mall with that provocative image on it. It's just one glance. Like really, it's not like you're standing there oogling it. It's just one glance. You're just walking by. It's not your fault. Whisper. Or, or how about this? It's just one more time of you putting your work ahead of your family and not shepherding your wife and children in God's word. It's just one more night. I mean, you're ex- you've worked really hard today. It's exhausting. And I got to tell you, loved ones, I need prayer in this area because I come home at the end of the day and I'm exhausted and this is a constant battle of the will that's going on. Really? You have four boys. Do you really want to spend the next 25 minutes going into each of their rooms and praying over them before they go to bed? You're tired. Just do it tomorrow. You hearing this? Is this resonating? Or what about this? You've earned that shopping trip to satisfy the stress you're feeling, the anxiety you're feeling. A little retail therapy is not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. But do you recognize the spiritual consequences that are behind that? Satisfying ourselves with things other than the only one who can satisfy? Do you realize the slippery slope that that goes down? The devil's not going to advertise that. Or this one. You deserve to get angry and take it out on your wife and kids. You deserve that. I mean, they're frustrating you. Or how about, oh, don't even mention the driver that just cut you off in traffic. Don't even mention him. You deserve, I mean, he just cut you off, man. You deserve to be impatient, right? Why can't they just hear what you want to say and do things that we want to do? They're going to resonate there. Right here. Or this one, you need, you need, it's okay to gossip and slander about that person because that's going to actually make you feel better. And how will that person you're speaking to actually know how to pray for you? Whisper of compromise. Our actions, loved ones, have eternal ramifications. Turn to your neighbor and say, my actions have eternal ramifications. Go. Faithfulness, loved ones, requires diligence. 
Faithfulness requires diligence. When the moment of truth comes and the whisper of compromise is upon you, we will not be ready unless we're, we prayerfully prepare to be faithful to God for his outcome and his will to be done no matter how hard the temptation may be to compromise. And I have to pause there and just say this. Loved ones, family, look up here. I know it's hard. This is a battle I face every day. I know it's hard. But you see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been given access to the power of the one who won the battle of the wills for all time as he was pressed as far as he could go and yet did not sin. Boy, am I ever glad I have a savior who was tempted in every way and yet did not sin, amen? Boy, am I ever glad and thankful for that. He was pressed as far as he could go and it begs the question for us this morning, and I will leave you with this for calling the worship team up. What area or areas are you and I in jeopardy of failing to see God's desired outcome for us? Because we are pursuing our own will and desires instead of seeking him for his. And the follow-up to that is this. Have you considered the consequences of what will happen if you continue down that path? And as the worship team um, will be coming up shortly, I, I just want to recap. Let's take a look at our three main points again. Point number one. When I pursue my own will, you'll see these on the screen. I want you to write these down and take them home with you and refer back and back and back to them. When I pursue my own will, I will fail to heed God's warning. But get this, when I pursue God's will through Christ, he grants me the wisdom to see the warning clearly. When I pursue my own will, I will fail in the outcome. I'm sorry, heed not heed God's warning. When I pursue God's will through Christ, he grants me the wisdom to see the warning clearly. Point number two, when I pursue my own will, I will forfeit God's strength. I will forfeit God's strength. But when I pursue God's will through Christ, he enables me to embrace his strength as my own. When I pursue God's will through Christ, he enables me to embrace his strength as my own. And finally, when I pursue my own will, I will fail in the outcome every time. But when I pursue God's will, he grants me the victory through the power of Christ in me. Not my will, but his be done. Let's pray.
Father, your word has gone forth and you promise that it will not come back void, but will achieve the purpose for which it is sent forward. Lord, in the quietness of our hearts right now, your spirit has been moving, your spirit has been lovingly convicting, establishing fruit in our hearts for those who, as we prayed, would turn to you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, God, this Harvest Bible Chapel Brampton, this family of God right here, would pursue the will of Jesus Christ, whatever the cost to whatever the end. And I pray that those things that you have brought and illuminated forward in our hearts today of where we are not submitted to you, Father, and are not seeing the consequences of continuing down that path, or worse, seeing the consequences and doing nothing, God, today would be the day of salvation in those areas. Lord, would you do that, please? I pray especially for those who've never made the confession of faith to surrender their lives to you, Lord and Savior, and have no strength to draw from. Lord, I pray today when they hear your voice, they would not harden their hearts. Lord, help us, help us to be a people that strive in the power of the Spirit for a greater hunger, humility, and holiness before you. That the power of Christ, which is our strength, in which we find our hope, we find our peace, would be manifest in our lives to the glory of your awesome name. Have your way, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.